Hey, everybody. I'm so glad that uh, you joined us. I'm going to be in the, the book of Exodus tonight, Exodus chapter 15. We'll start there. I believe we're going to be looking at chapters 15, 16, and 17, portions out of each. Look at Exodus 15, verse 22. It says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. Then they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Then they came to Marah. They could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. He threw it into the water. The water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I'll put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water, 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. You are the Lord, our healer. And God, I ask that tonight that there would be healing for hearers, that there would be healing, Father, for all those that are watching, that are taking the time out, your word tells us in Psalm 103 that you sent your word and healed them. All it takes is a word from you, O oh God, to heal. And Father, I ask that your word tonight would bring healing. I ask that the light would go on, Father God, not only these scriptures, but in our hearts, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened and that we'd be able to understand, we'd be able to grasp all that you have for us. Father, encourage us tonight with your word. Bring healing with your word tonight, we ask, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There are known prophetic voices that have been speaking of the exodus in regards to the season that we're in. And I just happened to be reading in the book of Exodus. And so all of these things, like God so often causes to happen, they, they kind of merged these prophetic voices. Speaking of the Exodus, I was in my reading in the book of Exodus, and so God began to speak to me through the book of Exodus. And so I'm reading out of the ESV tonight, my brand new ESV. I, uh, I have, you know, read portions of scripture, but never read through the ESV. And so I'm doing that right now. And I just want to say this. I pray that you seize the moment that you have by being quarantined and being on lockdown and that you are just devouring the word of God. What a wonderful opportunity to devour the word of God. I've been reading the word at a clip and devouring the word of God at a clip like I've never known before. I've read through the Bible twice in the past 13 months, and I've just begun to read now the ESV, my goal for this year. And after I'm done reading the ESV is I want to grab another version that I've not read through, and I want to read through that. And um, I, uh, I just want to um, just dive into God's Word like never before, study like never before, and what an opportunity we have. And there are great online tools for you to use for Bible study, and so I pray you're making good use of that. So let's jump in 
to the word tonight. And I just want to say this. I believe that right now we have an opportunity um, for us to, to pull aside and to spend time with God and his word. Deposits are being made right now for future withdrawal. Amen? Could you, can you grasp that? Deposits are being made right now as you're using this time wisely with the Lord for future withdrawal. And I believe God's going to place a demand on the deposit that he's making in the future. And so get as much word as you can. Study the word like crazy. So let's kind of set this up where Israel is in their journey, their wilderness journey. God has delivered Israel from 430 years of Egyptian bondage. And he's done so with mighty wonders. And he uses 10 plagues to break Pharaoh's hard heart and confront Egypt's false gods. And we all, we all know this. Here's what I, what I didn't know. Um, we've heard that, that God used 10 plagues to confront 10 Egyptian gods. Well, when I began to study this, I found that the 10 plagues confronted more than just 10 gods of, of Egypt, 10 Egyptian gods. I found that there were over 20 Egyptian gods that were confronted through the 10 plagues. For instance, in the ninth plague of darkness, God confronts Egypt's sun gods, of which there were five, and a moon god as well. So six gods were confronted just with the plague of darkness. Um, I found that in the fifth plague of diseased cattle, there were four Egyptian gods associated with bulls and cows. So in two plagues, nine gods confronted. And then my, my favorite was the plague, the first plague, where the Nile was turned to blood. And Egypt had three gods associated with the Nile. And one of them, a more famous one, Osiris, it was believed, had the Nile as his bloodstream. And so in Three plagues, just three of the 10 plagues, some 13 false gods were confronted. It's because Egypt had gods for everything. They had gods for the sky, the atmosphere, agriculture. I mean, you name it, they had gods for everything. So why, why share all this? I mean, where is this going? And, and you can look up all of those, you know, gods and the, and the plagues and, and how they were confronted. I mean, it's a good, good study. But why share all this and, and what's, what's the purpose in it for us and how does it apply? Couple reasons. First, God was not the source or the author of Israel's slavery. God, God wasn't the reason that they were enslaved. They were blessed when Joseph became the second only to Pharaoh over all of Egypt. In fact, he was the second most powerful person in the world because Egypt was the ruling, the dominant force in the earth. Remember, there's a famine in the land, and it was only Egypt that had grain. And so really, Israel came, and they were blessed, and they, and they lived in Goshen, and, and they were blessed there. Well, they multiplied rapidly, and Egypt was intimidated by how greatly the Israelites multiplied. So God wasn't the source or the author of Israel's slavery. Let's just establish that. Secondly, I think if we learn anything here, we learn that when God brings us out of something we've been held under, stuff gets confronted. Let me say that again. When God brings us out of something that we've been held under, stuff gets confronted in our lives. 
stuff gets confronted. I think we picture Christian growth as just, you know, this, you know, just one easy level to another. No, 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 no. In growth, there can be some discomfort. In growth, there can be some pain. And God confronts things as we continue to grow. And so as he's bringing us out of things, he's confronting things in our life, showing us why maybe we've been in this holding pattern or why maybe we've been circling the same mountain again and again and again and can never seem to break through and can never seem to to see any kind of victory there. False gods that we've been worshiping, ungodly beliefs, vows that have been made in our hearts, vows, inner ungodly vows that we believe so strongly, like we'll never amount to anything because we've been told that so many times, or we're ugly because we've been told that so many times, or there's something wrong with us mentally because we've been told that so many times, and it becomes a stronghold in our life, and it goes against God's word, but because it's been spoken over us so many times, we begin to believe that, well, when God brings us out of that lie and that deception, when God brings us out of all those horrible things that have been spoken over us, those things get, fronted, get confronted, those lies get confronted. And I believe they're getting confronted even now, those of you that have just begun to turn back to God again. It's a scary time right now. You're frightened. The future's uncertain. We don't know how long this is going to go on. And I believe that right now, things are getting confronted in your life as you're turning back to God. Maybe God's showing you how you you got off course there for a little bit and he's bringing you back and drawing you back to himself always in love it's his kindness that leads us to repentance he draws us with cords of love scripture says and i would encourage you right now in this season before we go any further to renounce every ungodly unscriptural belief and vow you've ever made in your heart of hearts in jesus name renounce it you know it's not true but you can't help believe it, but you can't help but believe it because it's been spoken over you for so long. And so right now, renounce that you know that it's not true. You're a child of the Most High God. God does have a purpose and a plan for your life. There is a reason for your existence. Renounce those lies in Jesus' name. Renounce it. From, from you know, anything having to do with your appearance to, to a spirit of suicide that might just be always kind of just there and you can't help but think about it from time to time. Renounce that in Jesus' name. Because it's real important to where we're going tonight that you do not allow ungodly beliefs, ungodly inner vows to take root. You've got to confront those roots, and God will uproot those things, and he'll begin to speak truth, and the Holy Spirit will lead you in all truth. And the Bible says that you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the Bible doesn't lie, and God doesn't lie. So freedom is possible. Freedom is attainable with Jesus Christ. And it's available tonight. I believe it with all my heart. So why is all this so important? Well, let's, let's look at our text again. God has just parted the Red Sea for Israel. Egypt's army has been destroyed as the Red Sea was closed over them. They've been looking for water for three days and they found none. Now, in Israel's defense, water was real important in the wilderness. The people needed it, the children needed it, their livestock needed it. It was, it was a necessity. Because water was a necessity for the people and their livestock, their children, they start to grumble and they start to complain. 
You know, I looked up that word grumble and I found it to mean blame. You know, you're, you're, you're blaming. You know, this is, this is Moses' fault. This is my parents' fault. This is my spouse's fault. This, this, is, this is my sibling's fault. This is my pastor's fault. This is the church's fault. This is the government's fault. I studied this word grumble even further and found it to mean to grumble against to the extent that howling sounds like that from a dog are made. And I thought about it. Is it just me or do people become like animals when they're stressed and they start to panic? It's almost like their most base, basic instincts just kind of kick in as it, they just want to survive. I think it's also important that we see the connection with the people here in Exodus 15 and the water. And the water was called Mara, or that place that they came to was called Mara, which means bitterness. I believe that there's a connection between the people. They had grown a little bit bitter. Even after just a short time of God doing the miraculous, they'd already begun to grumble and complain. The water was bitter and so were the people because of a lack of water for themselves, their children, and their livestock. It's amazing to me that it took about three days and they had forgotten everything God had done and they'd promised them. Isn't it amazing how you can have those mountaintop experiences with the Lord? And maybe even before you get in your car, you get a, a discouraging text or email. It amazes me at how quickly the enemy is able to come and snatch the very seed of God's word away from our hearts and take us from worshiping God to worrying and to grumbling and complaining. According to Exodus chapter 16, I want to show you a few verses and I want to speak a, a truth that I know you realize it, but there's just something when it's spoken, the light kind of goes on. Look at Exodus 16:7 says, "In the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because He's heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us?" Moses said, "When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to, to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against Him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but it's against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Drop down to verse 12. I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. So let's just establish something that not only does God hear our cries, but he hears our grumbling too. That not only does God hear our cries as we cry out to him, but he, he hears our grumbling, our grumbling against him. I think it's also significant that after God healed the waters at Marah, they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. And that's significant. And when numbers are mentioned in scripture, there's a significance to those numbers. Those numbers 12 and 70, they depict authority. 12 disciples, 70 elders. I think it's significant that God wants to heal us of our bitterness before he can use us in positions of authority and bring us to places of refreshing like Elam. 
Isn't that what Acts 3.19 says? Repent, be converted so that your sins will be blotted out, so that times of refreshing will come from the Lord. I think God wants to deal with bitterness. God wants to deal with things that we're, that we're hanging on to, that are depriving us of refreshing, that are depriving us of living water, which is what we're going to touch on next week, and you aren't going to want to miss it. It's going to be good, good stuff. Let's go to Exodus 17, and let's see even more, and let's go a little bit deeper. It says, all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of Sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So here we go again. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, behold, I'll stand before you there at the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Both the ESV and the message say that the people moved by stages in their journey. So not everybody moves at the same clip, at the same pace, and at the same time. The people moved in stages, and we know that there are a lot of people. The estimates are any, anything from 1.5 to like 4 million people. A lot of people, a lot of animals, a lot of possessions. Remember, when they left Egypt, they plundered Egypt, so they had a whole bunch of stuff with them, okay? Again, there's no water. The people now, only a couple months into wilderness journey, are quarreling with Moses. They go from grumbling, and now they're quarreling. And I think it's powerful that Moses says in verse 2, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Why did Moses say that? When they were quarreling with Moses, why did Moses say, why do you test the Lord? You want to know why? Because Moses realized something. Moses realized that the people were clearly trying to manipulate God through Moses, and Moses called it out. Why are you trying to manipulate God through me? Why are you testing the Lord? Just a couple months in, and in verse 7, we see the people are questioning whether God was even still with them. How powerful is that? All of the things that God had done. I mean, they walked not just through the parted Red Sea, they walked through the parted Red Sea on dry ground. And then when they had gotten over to the other side and Pharaoh's army was hot on their heels, God closed the Red Sea over them. Remember, horse and rider, he's thrown into the sea. And yet just a couple months later, they're grumbling, they're complaining. God could part the Red Sea, but couldn't provide water for them to drink. Isn't it amazing? How quickly they had forgotten how God supernaturally led them, delivered them. God brings water supernaturally from a rock to quench the people's thirst. Israel, now refreshed, faces its first battle in the wilderness with the Amalekites. 
I believe there are battles, battles in the wilderness and we can't handle them until we learn how to be refreshed by God while in the wilderness. I believe there are battles that we're facing right now where we are and we're waiting for God to get us through this and to get us out of this and bring refreshing. What if God wants to bring refreshing right now where you are? And what if you're supposed to face this battle right now where you are and to access all of the provision that God would bring and give you so that you can handle the battle, so that you can be victorious over this battle? My Bible tells me in Psalm 23 that God prepares a table for us even in the presence of our enemies. There is not a situation under circumstance that God is not able to provide for you in it. The Bible says in Romans, I believe it's chapter 8, it says, in all these things, we were made more than conquerors. We always want to be delivered from it, and, 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 and we want God to bring us out of it. Yet the Bible says, in all these things, we were made more than conquerors. You're being made a conqueror right now while you're in it. While you're going through it, you're being made a conqueror right now. You think that you'll be declared a conqueror once you've come out? No, you're declared a conqueror now while you're still in. Because it's never, it's never what we're going through. It's always who we're going to. And are you going to Jesus right now? Many of you are returning to the Lord right now. Many of you are coming back to the Lord right now. And you are finding that God provides. And God provides more than just food on a table or seeing to it that the bills get paid. God provides peace of mind. He provides joy. He's allowing you to reconnect with your families as some of the idols that have been dominating your life have been removed. God's using this, and he's doing incredible things. I believe marriages and families are getting strengthened right now. You didn't even know that they were weak. You didn't even know that they were deficient in any way. And yet God's drawing you to each other like never before. Never before. How powerful is that? I've got one more lesson to learn from Israel's wilderness. Um, go to Exodus 23 with me. I thought that this was real powerful, and I'm believing you're going to be encouraged with this maybe more than even the other two things that we've looked at already. Look at Exodus 23. I'm going to read verses 29 and 30. Speaking of the, the Hivites, the, Canite, the Canaanites, the Hittites, verse 29, I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you have increased and possess the land. What's it, what's it saying here? What's it saying? God promises to go before Israel, drive out the inhabitants of the land. That's what he's promised them. So why is God telling them that he's not going to do it all at once? He's not going to do it all in one year. Why is he saying that? Because God did tell him he was giving them the land. Why would God tell him he's not going to do it right away? I think we need to realize just because God has promised something doesn't mean we get it immediately. How many times have you told your kids that, okay, we're going to do that? No, we're not doing it tonight. Let's do it next week. It would be better if we did it next week. Or let's do it, let's, let's do this in a couple months. Let, delayed gratification, it's got to be the most difficult thing for our flesh to handle. Yet there is wisdom here. 
Because if God drove out all of the inhabitants all at once, the land would be ruined and it would be overrun by wild animals. God knew that it was both, it was going to be, it was going to be a bad thing for not only the people, but the land. But if God did it little by little, the land would be spared and the wild beasts wouldn't be able to come in and overrun and ruin, ruin the land. So many times, God's wisdom is so much greater. His thoughts, his ways are so much further and so much higher and beyond anything that we could ever know. Yet we so struggle believing that God is our best in mind. We so struggle believing that when we go through periods of discomfort and we go through challenges, that God is somehow slipping. Why doesn't God take notice of us? God, are you really here with us? Just like the Israelites thought in Exodus 17. Many times I have found that there is a process connected to the promise. Many times there's a process connected to the promise. Yes, you'll get the land. Yes, that's going to happen. Yes, you're going to be in the ministry one day. Yes, you're going to hit the mission field one day. Yes, you are going to be a leader in your field. But there's a process. There's a process. Why? Because if God gave it to us all at once, it would ruin us and them. God knows what he's doing. And you're either going to trust him or not. Let me say it this way. Many times God has to increase us before he can increase what he gives us. Many times God has to increase us before he can increase what he gives us. If you let your kids have everything that they wanted all at once, how would that go for them? That work out for you? Don't you think that God's wiser than you are? Don't you think that God knows how to handle his children with greater wisdom than you know how to handle your own children? Don't you think that God knows that the process is hard, but it's what's best? And so right now, as we're wondering where God is in all of this, man, he's right there with you in all of this. That's where he is. He's right there with you. God is so much bigger than anything that we could face. And we've got to believe that God is wiser, that God sees the beginning and the end. He knew that this was coming. This isn't some shock to God that this virus has hit humanity. He knew that it was coming. And people are coming back to the Lord in droves. They're calling on the name of the Lord now more than ever. I tell you, God knows what he's doing. Knows what he's doing. So here's my challenge. While in this season, don't grumble or complain. God's going to provide. And can I, can I ask this? Maybe don't post every symptom that you're going through right now. Why don't you post some of the positive and the encouraging things that are happening in your life right now? Maybe some of the things that you once took for granted. Let's not post our flesh. Let's post our faith. Amen? Could you do that? I mean, I get enough negative news. I don't want to be scrolling news feed and see even more negative news. 
Let's not post our flesh. Let's post our faith. Amen. And keep in mind, out of all of the armor, the shield of faith, if you look up the word shield, it was an enormous shield, like big enough to cover the entrance to a doorway or a cave. Very, very big. The first thing people should see about a Christian is their faith, not their flesh. My challenge to you, has your flesh been showing? Or has your faith been showing? Secondly, while in the season, renounce any ungodly beliefs that you have or ungodly vows that you've made so that you'll be free of bitterness so that you can move on to a place of refreshing. I don't care how long they've spoken over your life. If they're a lie, they're a lie. And every time you try to live your life based on a lie, it seems to go nowhere. But every time you live your life based on the truth, it's blessed. And God wants to bless you. He wants to grow you. He wants to bring you out. And as he is, he's confronting things so that he can bring you in because God always brings you out of something into something. God just doesn't bring you out and tell you just to stand there. God is growing you. There's, there's a process to the promise. And so embrace the process that you're in right now and make good use of it. Make good use of it. Come on, church. Then, while in this season, don't try to manipulate God to get your way, no matter how great the need. He knows what you need. Matthew 6, the Father knows that you need these things. So don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, the clothes that you'll put on. Every time I even begin to think like this, I look outside and I see the birds of the air. And I'm thinking, man, they're not stressed. Yet your father feeds them, sees when a sparrow falls to the ground, and the Bible says you're of more value than many sparrows. If his eye is on the sparrow, then you got to know he's watching over you. And like the hymn goes, sing. Sing because you're happy. Sing because you're free. Because if his eye is on the sparrow, he's watching over me. Now's the time to sing. Now's the time to rejoice. If God's going to take care of the birds of the air, the grass of the field, he'll take care of you. He knows what you need. And you're a believer in Jesus. You're not without access to the throne, the throne that you can boldly approach to obtain grace and mercy in a time of need. You know what we need right now? We need grace. That's why God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Right now you're realizing just how strong God is because you've never felt weaker than you are right now. His strength is perfected in weakness. Paul so understood that he said, man, I'll boast of my weakness then. While in this season, do not question whether or not God is still with you. Believe me, if, if, if he left, you'd know it. Don't question whether God's with you in this or not. If he was gone, you'd know it. If he left, you'd know. You're going to tell me that you've been in God's presence, you've sensed the powerful presence of God, and you wouldn't know it if he, if he was gone, you bet you'd know it. You'd know it in an instant. So don't question whether he's when you, with you or not. Know that he's with you. We used to sing years ago a song that said, he's as close as the mention of his name. You start to get rattled. You start to get fearful. You start to, to become anxiety-ridden. Just say the name of Jesus. There's power in that name. 
At the name of Jesus, demons flee. Every knee will bow, tongue confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say the name of Jesus. It's one of the first things I learned how to do as a baby Christian. Just name the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. It's powerful. Say the name of Jesus. And keep saying the name of Jesus. And then begin to tell Jesus that you love him. And I guarantee your outlook will begin to change. The way that you see things will change just by naming the name of Jesus. While in this season, know that God will fulfill his promises little by little as you can handle them. In stages. He's not just going to do everything all at once. He's laying a foundation right now as you are learning and as you are growing. The ground under you is being solidified and strengthened. He's establishing you so that he can build upon the foundation that he's laying now. I can remember Lisa was reading about bamboo trees. And she read that for four years, you see nothing above ground because the root system is being laid. And then in one year, they can grow up to 18 feet. Could it be that God is laying a foundation right now, strengthening a foundation right now so that he can build upon it, build something bigger than you could ever grasp? Because he does things exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think. Could it be that that an enormous foundation is being established, being laid in your life, solidified in your life, and that God's going to build upon it? I'm telling you, this is a season of rich deposits made in the hearts and the lives of believers. I'm telling you, this is a season where foundations are being strengthened, where any cracks are being filled in, and those foundations are being made strong. This is a season for you to grow. This is a time for you to grow. This is a season of intimacy with the living God. This is a season where he's calling you away into the king's chamber. He wants to speak things to you that only can be said to you. This is a season for you to come and know God. And that in some of the most difficult times, the people of God do the greatest exploits. I believe it's Daniel eleven thirty two, That God's people, they will know God and they'll do great exploits. In the darkest of times, the people of God stand out as the brightest of lights. Remember, you're a city on a hill that was never meant to be hidden. And while in this season, and I can't help but think of John the Baptist's prayer, that I must decrease so that he might increase. While in this season, know that God must increase and you must decrease so that you can handle his increase. We always think that we can handle all that God's got for us right now. I'm telling you, You can't handle all that God's got for you right now. You need to grow into what God's got for you. You need to grow into his increase. It's one thing to pray that God would enlarge your territory. It's another thing to pray that God would enlarge your heart so that you can handle the territory. It's one thing to pray that God would bring you to high places. It's another thing to pray that God would give you hinds feet so that you can handle the high places. God is growing you so that you can handle the increase he's bringing. And he's using a season like this right now to do it. What a wonderful time for you to be diving deep into God's word. What a wonderful time for you to allow the Holy Spirit to make these rich deposits in you 
so that a future demand can be placed on that deposit, so that a future withdrawal can be made. How tragic it'll be in the future if God goes to pull from your spiritual bank account and finds that it's empty. What a wonderful opportunity. Even in the natural, we know that we should have enough money set aside so that if we go through difficult times, we could cover our bills for a month or two. What if right now you are setting aside time to spend with God so that the future, you're able to be used by God like never before? See, the people that are used by God are people that spend time with God because God's a God that sees what's done in secret and he rewards openly. And he's asking you to come away with him. You've got the time. You used to say, man, if I had more time, I'd spend time with the Lord. If I had more time, I'd read the Bible more. You've got time now. So where are you? I'm calling you out. Where are you? He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting to reveal his word to you in ways you've never seen it before. He's waiting to speak things to your heart that you've never heard him speak before. Now's the time. Now's the time the time. He wants to deposit in you so that he can use it. Isn't it crazy how our excuse was that we're we're too busy and now there aren't too many people that I know that are too busy. Isn't it crazy how you can still be in a busy mode yet you don't have the requirements that were once placed on you? God wants to use his time, and I'm praying that you make good use of it. Next week, I'm going to speak very prophetically as we kind of build off of this message, and it's going to be, it's going to be good stuff. I'm going to talk about waters in the wilderness, rivers in the wilderness. It's going to be good, good stuff, and I challenge you to tune in next week, and I just want to pray for you before we go. I, I don't know who's watching. I don't have a computer in front of me that I can see who's tuning in and who isn't and who's saying hi and who isn't. But you could very well be watching and you've never invited Jesus into your heart before. Maybe you've attended church your whole life and you just felt like you were supposed to somehow, you know, evolve into a Christian or, you know, somehow there would be this, you know, moment of realization um, where, you know, you were really a Christian all along, you just didn't realize it, and now all of a sudden you do. No, 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 the breaking point is you inviting Jesus into your heart, literally praying a prayer, asking Jesus to come in to your heart. The Bible says when you do, says old things are passed away, all things are become new. It says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. And so I want to lead you in a prayer you've either been away from the Lord or you've never prayed a prayer and invited Jesus into your heart. And all that's required is a believing heart. Two things. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. It's the only thing that's required. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I want you to pray this prayer out loud. There could be a bunch of you right now gathered around a screen and I want you all to pray this prayer with me. Those that have prayed it, those that once prayed it and need to pray it again, and those that have never prayed it. Amen? So pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for me. Father, forgive me for each and every one of my sins. Father, help me 
to forgive every single person that ever hurt me. Father, help me forgive myself. Jesus, come into my heart. Make it your home. My life is yours. Your resurrection life is now mine. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You prayed that prayer. You meant it with all your heart. I want to encourage you to begin to read the Bible. Start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Begin to tune in to the many churches that have an online presence. Begin to watch. We have something going Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. We have our church service. Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, I do a teaching. Thursday at noon, we do a time of worship and prayer. You are welcome to join us in all of those. I want to encourage you, begin reading the Bible, begin tuning in and hearing the word of God preached, and begin praying and ask the Father in heaven to help you understand the word that you're reading, to navigate life in Jesus' name. Pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad you tuned in tonight. I pray that you were encouraged. Don't miss next week, and we'll see you tomorrow at noon for prayer. Hope you can join us. God bless. See you real soon. We love you.